From the brains behind Teal the Show, this is Teal the Podcast, your source for Jaguars news and analysis with NFL insider Mark Brunel and your host, Cole Pepper. We welcome you into Teal the Podcast as we come to you today from the Brunel Bungalow. Yes, the upper room. The upper room. (laughs) It's like the Lincoln bedroom, only it's got a ping pong table. Yes. Yes. I, I like to paint the picture for it's the... like the Lincoln bedroom. Okay. <laughs> Not so much. This is, uh, this is where we, you may hear the sounds of lawn crews outside. Uh, you may hear the sounds of vacuum cleaners downstairs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's going to get things the going on. A lot of things going on. Yeah, we're tidying up the place. We're in the forest, man. We're yeah. taking a forest, baby. In the forest. A lovely area. Uh, and we're also in the almost... We're almost at the midpoint of the offseason for the Jaguars. If you talk about days on the field, what's left, um, we're recording this following the first day of the second week of OTAs. Uh, and if you're listening to this fairly soon after we record, um, there's another week of OTAs next week, and then mandatory minicamp, and then that's it until for the Jaguars on the field until they get to, to, uh, to training camp. And... There have been some things going on with the Jaguars, obviously, but now they're on the field doing what they're trying to do. And, Mark, I, I wonder about what can be accomplished at this time for a team that is bringing in quite a few new key pieces and trying to get some other guys who are really trying to rebound. You think about the number of players the Jaguars have who are looking to rebound this season. It's pretty substantial when you start talking about Leonard Fournette or you're talking about uh, Keelan Cole um, you know, Andrew Norwell, there are, there are, and I could go on, there are quite a few guys who need a bounce-back season this year for this team. Yeah, and this time of year is critical. And um, how much a team develops, how much individual players develop during the OTAs, during May and June, uh, has everything to do with how much success the team will have uh, in the fall. These are not just, hey, let's practice in, in the springtime. Um, I've used this term, this phrase, the building blocks. I mean, this is the foundation, if you're looking for a word, on what they will build upon going forward. So if you think about it, to your point, a lot of new faces. Um, there's a new system in place. A lot of guys that have to prove something, um, bounce back time for them. But uh, this time is critical. Um, everybody, probably not not Nick Foles as much, but everybody's learning a new system, uh, new terminology. Everyone kind of runs the same kind of stuff, same concept, same run game. Uh, but there's a new terminology attached to that. Uh, so most of the team uh, is learning new system. Then the the other side of that is they're learning how to work together. They're getting used to each other. Um, That's not just on the field, that's off the field. Building that chemistry, camaraderie. Just kind of finding out about each other. They'll learn some good things about some players. They'll learn some bad things about some players. But regardless, this is the group that they're going to go with. So uh, a lot is happening right now. A lot of discovery uh, right now on what the 2019 Jaguars will be. But but this is a very, very important time in that they're coming off a bad season. Like I said, a lot of new faces. It's not like they're coming off a playoff year where pretty much the core guys are intact. The leadership's in place. 
this is a whole new ball club, and, and with that, and that makes this time of the year so much more important. I talked to Chris Conley, the new wide receiver the Jaguars brought in uh, from Kansas City, former Georgia Bulldog. Um, first of all, really strikes me as a pro, as an adult, yes. as, a, as a guy who... Very, very rare for that position. Well, you know, it's funny. It's funny you say that uh, because I was not, I had not spoken to him before. I, and I hadn't really heard a lot of sound bites or hadn't really stayed with me. So I wasn't expecting what I got out of him. I bet. Um, you know, offensive lineman, quarterback, you know, veteran defensive lineman, maybe, you know, defensive tackle or a linebacker. You might expect a certain level of, of sort of thoughtfulness in an answer in, a, mm-hmm. in an interview. But it really, Chris really impressed me. One of the things he said was that this time of the year, with him and a new team and a lot of new faces, they're all learning a certain amount about each other so they can push the other guy. And some of it's a trust factor, and some of it's sort of a credibility factor where you can say, if, if one teammate says to another, hey, you have to be doing this, where guys are holding each other accountable. That doesn't always go down smoothly, right? but this is the time of the year where you, you learn about the other guy so you can understand how you can push him. And I thought for, for a wide receiver and a new player uh, on this team to be thinking that way was, was fairly remarkable. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's good to have guys like Chris who, uh, who have had pretty solid careers that have been around for a while because... For a young player, you, you, you respect that because a guy has, uh, because he's done it. Uh, he has a maturity about him. Obviously, he's a worker. Obviously, he, he knows the position. Obviously, it's important to him. Um, and when you have a guy like that that could be a, uh, a mentor to the young guys, that's where that accountability comes in. They'll listen to Chris because of what he's accomplished. Take they'll take receivers, you know, one day to understand like this guy is the real deal. Let's listen to this guy. He can help me. Um, so to have that dynamic, uh, coupled with the fact that you have the same kind of dynamic at the quarterback position. Listen, Tanner Lee is hanging on every one of Nick Foles' words. You know, he's been there, Super Bowl MVP, all of that. So to have key guys in place like that makes all the difference in the world because they're they're proven, they're mature, they're good guys. They say the right things. They do the right things. And so having guys like that in different positions uh, is huge for this team. I also think, by the way, that Conley's connection with Foles the, from the time they spent in Kansas City yep. together um, helps give him added credibility, Conley, because there will be times where he says Foles will give a little hand signal and they'll know what, they're the only ones on the field that know what they're talking about. Right. right? You had that with – you developed it with Jimmy and Keenan where you had – some hand signals and some looks and some things like that. But when you have a new quarterback and a new wide receiver who are coming from different teams, although they have been together before, right. when they're on the same page like that, uh, that has to elevate the credibility. If you're D.D. Westbrook or Keelan Cole or uh, D.J. Chark, and you're out there and you're watching this guy who's on the same page with your quarterback, I mean, that's got to that's gotta bump him up. It's a great example because D.J., D.D., um, Keelan, they could all look at they could all look at the relationship between Chris and Nick and say, you know what, that's what I got to get to. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys are on the same page. The only way I'm going to get better, we're going to get better, is if I get somehow get on that same level as Chris and Nick have right now. The communications, the hand signals, speaking the same language, having a history. Uh, so that's that's great. And 
having a guy like that, and, and listen, uh, Keenan McCardell knows that full well. He understands the benefits of having a veteran presence in that room. If it's just a bunch of young guys and they've each had a few moments on special teams or they had this play, that's all great and they're, they're, they will develop and they will progress, but they'll go much further, much faster if there's a guy that they can look to and say, you know what, I got to get to that place. And if that person who they're looking up to is pushing them and and uh, is kind of a, uh, many times is a conduit between Nick and the young receivers, um, that's, uh, that's huge as well. So when you think, if you could think back, whether this is the, the preseason or the offseason before the 96 season, when you were established as the starting quarterback and you had, you know, a veteran receiver and Andre Risen around with a young unknown guy like Jimmy Smith and a sort of a, 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 a guy who'd been well-traveled at this point in Keenan McCardell but hadn't really established himself as what, right. what he was. Uh, uh, Willie Jackson, you had all these guys out there. How did you develop that kind of chemistry this time of year where it's not live fire, where you're not out there during a game? How does a quarterback and a receiver get on the same page? You know, it's, it's not easy. One, um, at least at that time, let me say this. What Nick has with Chris and what he probably already has with the younger young receivers, in my opinion, is f- much further than what we had going into 96. Mm-hmm. Andre Risen learning in a new offense. We had never been together before. Um, Keenan McCardell just showing up, didn't know much about him. Other, you know, It wasn't like he had accomplished a lot. Right. Um, Jimmy Smith. We were still trying to figure out, okay, what do we do with Jimmy? Where, where's the best spot? Is he a Z? Is he going to play special teams? We put him in the slot. Is he just an X? Willie Jackson was really the only one that I had had a, a, you know, a measure of success with. And, uh, and then if you're talking about me, I was trying to figure it out. I was so much less accomplished than Nick Foles. So much. Uh, I, I was Compared to Nick, I was much more immature. Um, didn't have a lot of big game experience. I had started 10 games, got had a couple moments, won a few games, but I was just trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's pretty safe to say that Nick has figured out. He knows what it's supposed to look like. He understands what a professional quarterback is all about. That was not me. So we were we were all over the map just trying to figure out to get to, to get to the answer was it was time on task. I needed a whole season to get comfortable with Jimmy and Keenan. You know, yeah, we had some big games, and, and but as the season progressed, we were figuring it out along the way. And Nick and the young receivers will too, but but uh, um, we were all trying to figure each other out, figure out the system, which was not back then without getting into detail, was nearly impossible to figure out at, at that time. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was kind of a hodgepodge group back in 96. They went on to do something special. Um, but at, at, in the OTAs and the practices, Man, we weren't even close. All right, so how was it different when you went to Washington as a accomplished veteran quarterback going to a new team with all these new receivers who you'd... I don't think any of you had any sort of previous uh, time with that. No, and, and I'll be real candid. It was... it was We had some experience. Um, we had a lot of guys uh, that were coming together for the first time, obviously, under Joe Gibbs, guys that had been there already, guys that, that uh, Joe had brought in. The difficult part at that at that time was learning this new offense. And I'll tell you this, when I got there, you know, you want to study as much as you can. You're trying to figure out what the system's going to look like. At that time, Cole, and I'm not kidding, 
the coaches were still figuring out what the system was going to look like because the last time this group was together, Joe Gibbs, Joe Bugle, Rennie Simmons, Don Bro, Jack Burns, I mean, it had been years, and I'm not just saying four or five years, I mean, late 90s, 91, you know, so I, when I was studying that system, I was looking at Mark Rippon cut-ups, mm-hmm. and that is not a lie. Right. And this is 2004. I'm looking at cut-ups from the early 90s. Football had changed. And so you've got guys that have had success come together trying to figure out this system. Coaches were coming together trying to, okay, now how are we going to make this work? It sure worked when we were seeing these limited coverages, you know, back in, you know, with Mark Rippon and Doug Williams. And, and uh, how are we going to make this work in, in, in 2000, 2004? That was a work in progress. That took some time. It was it, it was very difficult. So, Cole, every every situation is different, and and you just need time on task. Um, but we were all we were learning in '96. We were learning in in 2004. There's a lot of learning going on in 2019 with these young guys. But you do have a Nick Foles, and you that has been in the system, which is good. You do have a, a Chris that is that is uh, has been with Nick Foles. So you kind of have a a little bit of a head start, kind of an advantage, if that makes sense. You know, it's interesting, too, because this week Foles is not participating in the uh, OTAs for uh, personal reasons. Um, so the Jaguars' three backups are getting the work. Gardner Minshew, the sixth-round pick. Tanner Lee, who was a pick from last year who's still around. And Alex Magoo. And it's interesting to see how things look yeah, with different. those guys. Um can you, as a veteran wide receiver or a guy, you know, the guys we're talking about, can you get better when your starting quarterback's not out there? I think you can. You can obviously be, become a better route runner. Um, you can obviously, with time, even though Nick's not there, absorb more of the offense and you can develop. But, and I'm not going to say that because Nick's not there, they're going backwards. But I will say they're not going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. A, it it slows not, down the progress. It slows it down at, to a snail's pace, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you got a starting quarterback, that's the, everything revolves around Nick Foles right now. When you have that guy in place and he's practicing, man, it's full steam ahead. You're making progress. You're developing. Whatever words you want to use, you're getting better. You hit the brakes and you got to throw a young kid in. And these aren't just. This isn't like Chad Henney, who's been around for a while. These are guys that have very, very limited experience. You can't expect them. Uh, now, this is great for them. This is great for them. But as far as the offense, uh, while they may make a little bit of progress, I promise you, Cole, it's not very much. By the way, just my own observation from watching a day of those guys taking snaps uh, in bulk, um, Gardner Minshew doesn't mess around back there. He gets the ball out. He'll, yeah, he'll get it out. He'll uh, sling that. He's a gunslinger. He's not a – he doesn't have a cannon for an arm. Yep, you're but, right. But he, he hits that back foot, and he knows where it's going. It's gone. So you can see that he is processing that. Um, a little bit out of Magoo. We've seen him. Moose seems to move around pretty well. Uh, Tanner Lee, I'm still waiting to see some things, mm-hmm. um, as I was waiting last year in preseason. So uh, it's interesting because, no, as you mentioned, none of those backups have any experience. I think one of the things the Jaguars will be doing with Foles out is really saying, all right, are any of these guys capable of being our backup? 
If foals want, go down. Do you want me to give you the answer right now? Right. <laughs> I mean, right now, the answer is no. The answer is absolutely not. I am a firm believer that if you've got to go out and spend 3 or $4 million on a backup that has had a measure of experience, just experience. I'm not talking about winning games. A guy that's been out there, um, that is so valuable. What happens in September, October if Nick Foles goes down? That's scary. Yeah, who would that, you? That, who are you gonna put if out If you're there? playing tomorrow, who's your quarterback? If yeah. Nick Foles isn't, isn't and, and listen, these guys are great. I'm sure they're they're learning all that stuff. But until you get out there and compete in an NFL game, you have no idea what it, you know, what it's like. Preseason games? No, sorry, that's that's not that is not what it's like. It's not even close to being what it's like. Valuable experience, make some progress, but there's a lot riding on Nick Foles' health right now, and. You sh- you should have went out there and got a guy. Now, they had to have entertained it, looked at some different scenarios. The hard part is if you give Nick that kind of money and if this is a team that pays, listen, we're only going to give this much money to this position. Well, there's nothing nothing left. And that's right. probably the reason there isn't a, a solid backup right there. Um, what you're talking about is how to allocate salary cap space yes. to the different position groups. That's listen, yeah. I, when I went to New Orleans and Drew Brees is back up, Drew was making 18, 20, you know, 20 whatever it was. And they told me, I said, "Listen, uh, we want you to be here. Uh, we only have so much for this position mm-hmm. and this is what we can give you." Now, I didn't have any other options, Cole. So, and I wanted to, I wanted to play for the Saints. I wanted to be around Drew Brees. I wanted to be a part of. I wanted to get a dang Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and that was the best option Tur- I had. Turned out, worked so, out. Yeah. And, and I said, you know what? I don't care. I'll take it. And uh, um, so, but you've got to have a guy that can step in there, and if things should happen, and hopefully they don't, because if Nick Foles, you know, doesn't stay healthy, it's all for naught. Yep. It's really all for naught, Cole. Yep. I'm sorry. You got to have a guy, and they and they chose not to do it. Yeah, we'll see if that uh, becomes an issue as things go on. Uh, did also want to uh, spend a moment here uh, because you were drafted by Green Bay. I'm assuming you uh, had some uh, opportunities to interact with Bart Starr uh, through the years, and uh, with him passing away recently, uh, just want to ask you about your your memories of the former. I, I just I, I met uh, Bart one time. And that that was it. Um, um, didn't really spend much time with him. Shook his hand. Uh, I thought it was an awesome experience. I mean, it, Bart Starr. Yeah. One of the greatest to ever play the game. Um, fun watching his old clips and hearing stories. And uh, obviously, I didn't know him, but I've heard from countless people, countless people, what an incredible person mm-hmm. he was. Just a good man. And back in the day, if you were a quarterback back then, um, you were tough. You were physically tough. You were mentally tough. If you could do the things that he did back in a time where offenses were just so simple and it was just so archaic compared to what teams are doing now, and to be able to have that, that kind of success and to be a champion and to be that kind of person, one of the greatest football players ever play the game uh yeah just the opportunity to meet him was was a real privilege five nfl championships including two super bowls a lot of times we think about super bowl rings but he won five nfl championships including those two super bowls the first two um certainly a guy who has left his mark on Absolutely. not only the game but also the nfl community and um 
Clayus Campbell, the uh, last to win the Bart Starr Award before mm. Starr passed away as well. So something I know is going to be important for uh, Clayus as time goes on. All right, you can continue to follow Teal the Podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. And as always, you can find Teal the Podcast under the Sports tab on newsforjacks.com. All right, next week we'll be getting into the last week of OTAs. Is, that a, is there a new phase coming up? Or are we still in phase three? I think this is phase three and probably mandatory minicamp is phase four. If, okay, fair enough. If, uh, fair if enough. I have my phases in line. It's just so funny. you got to have a phase. You've got to break it down. Practice, <laughs> practice one, practice ten, practice eleven, whatever. There, we'll be back at it. We'll see how things are playing out. And we'll have plenty more to talk about about the Jaguars as the offseason continues. For Mark Grinnell, I'm Cole Pepper. Thanks so much for listening to Teal the Podcast. We'll talk to you next time.